Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to try and answer some of your questions about government and politics in the age of coronavirus. So first, I just want to thank you all for submitting your questions on CNN.com, on Facebook, on Twitter. We've combed through them, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get through as many as possible. But this probably won't be the last time we do this, so you'll be able to submit again. Joining me now to ask some of those questions, they are going to be your voices in what you submitted, are my two producers on this podcast, Mimi Mutesa and Will Cadigan. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. We are going to get started. You guys kick us off with the uh, first question you grabbed out of the mailbag. All right. So our first question comes from an anonymous submission, and they're asking, what will happen to the RNC in the DNC conventions? We go with anonymous first. Excellent. It, it's a good question and one we have news on this week. Obviously, the DNC yesterday announced the move of the date for the Democratic National Convention scheduled to take place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, It moved five weeks. So here was the thing. For the last several presidential cycles, we had seen the Republican and Democratic conventions back to back, one week followed by the next. It wasn't always that way, uh, but for the last few cycles, it has been. This cycle was going to break that recent tradition. The Democrats were going in July in Milwaukee, and then six weeks later, a six-week gap between the two conventions, the Republicans would be hosting their convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, we are now back to the back-to-back conventions because the Democrats announced they're moving their convention five weeks deeper into the summer. So now the week of August 17th is when the Democrats plan to hold their convention in Wisconsin, immediately followed uh, the following week by the RNC in Charlotte. Now, here's the deal. I think it is still somewhat I won't say crazy. I think it is somewhat hopeful on the part of both parties that they think they're going to host thousands and thousands of people filing into these sports arenas, gathering together to host what is a traditional convention in our minds. I I still think even at the end of August, that may be a bit much uh, to ask of people. So I don't think we're done hearing about changes to these conventions. The Republicans and the president's reelection campaign has been adamant that they are moving forward as planned. But again, I know it's a far ways off. We may be uh, returning to more normal feeling life by then. It still seems to me, when you listen to all the science that's out there, gathering in an arena like that with thousands of people uh, still may not be something that's advised come August. So I think we are going to probably see both parties adopt new ways of hosting these conventions as well. And we'll find out what those are. Excellent. Um, So we have a few more politics questions uh, that come in from Tim, who submitted. He's from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, First, he asks, is it bad optics for Democrats not to be in the spotlight right now and Trump filling the airwaves? Does Andrew Cuomo's presence help counterbalance that? Well, 
I don't know, Tim. I, I don't actually think it is bad optics right now. And, and again, if you're focused on the presidential campaign, Andrew Cuomo's presence, I don't think really matters much. It matters for uh, Andrew Cuomo's standing with his constituents in New York, but he has said time and again he's not running for president. But in terms of optics, I'm not sure that it is necessarily bad optics. Here's my overall take on this. Americans are not interested in politics right now, and I'm not sure that they are viewing things through a political lens at the moment as much as they are viewing it through the economics of their pocketbooks, their family's health. That That is all going to top everything right now more than a political lens. And so while I understand that many Democrats are sort of nervous of ceding the stage to Donald Trump day in and day out with these briefings, and he presents himself as a wartime president. You hear this concern from Democrats. I would just say I don't think optics are going to have much weight here. I think the president is going to get reelected or fail to get reelected based on his performance handling this coronavirus pandemic and the economic fallout that comes from it thereafter. I just think everything else that we believe about politics has sort of been tossed out the window because I really do believe it is now all about how the president is handling the response. That actually goes perfectly into a follow-up question that Tim from Brooklyn also asked. Uh, He asked, what are the polls telling us about Trump's higher approval rating? Should we look at this as an indicator of his increased likelihood of electability? So we have seen in the polls, there's no doubt he has had an uptick in his approval rating. Um, And there's also no doubt that we've seen he has gotten some of the best marks in terms of polling uh, of his presidency on his handling of the coronavirus uh, outbreak. So uh, usually when Trump had been tested for the first three years plus of his presidency across a whole host of issues. The only issue, basically, where he was above water and had like majority support was the economy. Uh, and even then, it wasn't uh, huge, but it was his best issue by far. Uh, we saw similar numbers like that initially in his approval of handling of the coronavirus in, uh, outbreak. But There was an ABC News Ipsos poll out today, Friday, that showed a dip in that approval number. I think last week, ABC Ipsos had Trump's handling of the coronavirus outbreak at 55 percent approval. Today, it was at 47 percent approval. Now, again, it's one poll. We'll see what the aggregate of all the numbers out there in the days to come will say. But I will just note he got a bounce And yet nowhere near the traditional bounce that a president gets in terms of a rallying around the flag kind of moment where the whole country gets behind its leader uh, like we saw post 9-11 for George W. Bush or in the immediate aftermath of the Persian Gulf War for George Bush Sr. We haven't seen that kind of level The president says it's wartime footing and he's a wartime president. We haven't seen him get the bounce, the same bounce that wartime presidents have gotten in the past. Now, that's because we live in far more partisan times. He is the most polarizing president we've had. So in that sense, it's not terribly surprising. But I do think it's worth noting that even uh, for Donald Trump, the most polarizing president we've had, he still has gotten a bit of a bump from Democrats, from independents on this issue. Just watch the economy and watch the continued spread of this disease. And if indeed his response comes in for even greater criticism, those numbers may not hold. At the moment, I would say Donald Trump is in no worse shape, according to the polls, for reelection than he was a, a month ago. But this is now impacting the very 
core underpinning of his support, which was the economy. And that's about to come in for such a bruising uh, that will likely have more impact than anything else. Well, speaking of elections and re-elections, we have a question submitted on Facebook from Pamela McDermott. She's saying, I hope the primary voting and November elections will happen. Is there any talk going on about that? Uh, It's a good question. There is definitely talk about uh, the November elections and whether or not they can happen as they normally do. Listen, I will just say uh, Nancy Pelosi has been talking about this. Uh, In terms of the elections, uh, I think that we'll probably be moving to... um Vote by mail. The Democrats have been trying to get more money into these bills to transfer the country over to a vote by mail system uh, almost entirely. Joe Biden has been calling for that. This is about making sure that we're able to conduct our democracy while we're dealing with a pandemic. What you're seeing now, what I think, Pamela, that you're seeing now is sort of the age old debate about access to voting and voting suppression versus access to voting that has been this like partisan battle where Democrats accuse Republicans of trying to limit the access to the vote for people and Democrats looking to expand it. This has been this partisan divide. And I will just say that is coming to the foreground now because of the coronavirus issue where you see Democrats are really calling for this expanding vote by mail trend that we're seeing across the country, but now really want to move it nationally. There was some money in the stimulus bill for this, but I I will say I will be shocked if come this November we don't see a dramatic uptick across the country in vote by mail and absentee voting. It has already been a trend that's going in that direction. I think it is going to be exponentially more because of coronavirus come this November where you're going to see election day in-person voting at its lowest that it's ever been, and absentee early vote-by-mail voting is going to be at the greatest percentage we've ever seen in the national election. Speaking of the stimulus, we received a ton of questions from people about how they will be affected by that bill that Congress just recently passed. Uh, And especially we got a lot of versions of this question. This is from Eugene Strotter. How would Americans actually get a stimulus check? How will it be paid? It's such a good question, and it's one that is on the minds of so many Americans. And by the way, it is not entirely clear when Americans are going to see the money in their accounts. For some Americans, they initially were told that they were going to be able to get this through direct deposit. That is not going to be the case for most of Americans. There will be some checks sent out as well. But the goal of the administration was to have direct deposit into taxpayers' accounts. And there's some. there may be some complications with that. Well, for people who don't have direct deposit, again, we'll have an easy way they put it up. We can, on a rolling basis, I think, you know, within a couple of days when they give it to us, We'll send the money out. We do realize there are people who are underbanked. Um, And again, we're working with all the digital companies, prepaid debit cards. We're working with all of them to make sure we have a process that every American gets their money quickly. This money does people no good if it shows up in four months, and we will deliver on that promise. I will just say we've gotten mixed messages out of the Treasury Secretary and the administration more broadly about when you're going to see this money in your hands. Uh, Initially, we were told by today, early April, that you were going to have this money arriving. It seems like it could be 
weeks still before the vast majority of Americans who are eligible for these payments will see it. I guess I would just say I would check with the latest statements coming out of Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, check on the website, and this is a topic now that is going to come up daily in the president's briefing. There is no doubt. You saw, obviously, the unemployment claims this week, the jobs report. This is now when people are going to be needing this help dramatically so. And the administration has not yet given us a date certain by which people will have these payments. Up next, actually, is one of the questions we received the most, how the stimulus will impact people who are on Social Security and disability. John Smith asked, will people on Social Security get the stimulus check? We get under $25,000 a year. If you're a Social Security beneficiary and you're retired and you're receiving uh, Social Security payments below $75,000 as a single person or $150,000 as a couple, you're eligible for this $1,200 stimulus payment. One of the questions around Social Security recipients was whether or not they would have to file a tax return in order to receive the stimulus payment. There was some confusion about that, but the Treasury Department has now said that that is not the case. The Social Security beneficiaries will automatically receive the money. They do not have to file a tax return in order to do so. Last night, the president authorized me to say that anybody that has Social Security recipients won't need to file a new tax return, and we'll have that. If we don't have your Direct deposit information. We'll be putting up a web portal so that you can put that up. Uh, It is a very large priority. The president has made clear we want to get this money quickly into your hands. And for our final question, let's turn to Kathy Crawford, who submitted uh, her question about stay-at-home orders on Twitter. She said, why can't the federal government or the president strongly request all states implement a stay-at-home order? It's such a good question, Kathy. Thank you for submitting it. I have been asking the same question for the last couple of weeks. I am truly torn in what I've been reading and talking to experts about as to whether or not it's even constitutionally permissible for the federal government to do that or if this has to happen state by state. Now, we are living in a world where More than 90 percent of the American people are under a stay-at-home order because of uh, the states that have put this in place. But I asked this very question to our chief legal expert, Jeffrey Tubin, on the podcast yesterday. Here's a little of what he said. Well, in the best um, lawyer's tradition, I'm going to say it's not clear. Um, (laughs) what, What is clear is that states certainly do have the right uh, to impose this sort of uh, emergency restriction on movement. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the federal government is a government of limited powers. You know, many people are familiar with the Commerce Clause. Most of the regulatory efforts that the federal government does is pursuant to the authority granted um, to the federal government to regulate interstate commerce. It also has the right um, to regulate I- immigration. But there is no sort of just general power to do laws that Congress and the president thinks are a good idea. Uh, because the threat of a virus like this one is one that transcends both international and state borders, um, there would certainly be a good argument that the federal government would have a right to impose such an order. But this, the federal government has never done that. And that is, I think, still an, an open question. 
All right. That was fun. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. Uh, to those that submitted and we didn't get to them, sorry about that. We will try to do this again soon. Hopefully you all found uh, the answers helpful. And of course, thanks to Mimi and Will for helping me out today and every day. Uh, a special thanks as well to our listeners. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.